light, and they're like lying on top of each other, and you can just see the tongues going oh, between and, their mouths. It's almost like they were pretending to act in slow motion. Yes, and, yes. And they're like, well, we can't actually shoot in slow motion, so I'm gonna need you guys <laughs> to be to go really in slow, slow motion. <laughs> and you just see their tongues. And it's like, silhou- yeah, and it's just <laughs> silhouettes is backlit by this blue light. Yeah, it's incredibly soapy. Okay, so George, we've got some correspondence this week. Don't forget, if you want to email in the show, you can do so by emailing hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. We'd love to hear what you think or if you yeah. have any questions. This guy, hi, gents. Another gents, Yeah, chaps. I see this. It's gents, chaps, boys, lads. lads. No, just it's got, okay. Well, I get it. That's cool. Are these English guys, gents? Gents, chaps, chaps, and lads, I think, would be. Guys is more guys international. Guys more American. Yeah. Uh, caught a clip on TikTok and instantly subscribed. Thank, oh, you, very thank much. you. Working my way through the back catalogue currently. That's very cute. Uh, we'd love to hear you guys talk about the best twists in movies. Also, have you seen the following two films I watched recently? Both a bit odd, but deep diving into them has been interesting. I'm thinking of Ending Things, which came out in 2020, and Enemy in 2013. Keep up the great work. That's many thanks from Kieran. Well, we should say about the twist endings. I think that we did do a whole episode about endings, endings. recently. And I think twist endings could be a whole different episode. A whole different one. I think I'd save it's it. It's quite for... hard to... You don't want to spoil it for people, I guess. Yeah, I think we'd rather... If we're going to talk about twist endings, create a dedicated space to talk about that so people know going in that it's a spoiler zone. Yeah. Have you seen any of those two films? No, I haven't. Okay, have so I, I actually... Yeah, I referred to... I'm thinking of any things last week when I talked about Tony Collette as an underrated actor because I mentioned that film I'm thinking of anything since her performance being very yes. good in it it's one with David Thewlis um, uh, I, I, I don't mind I'm thinking of anything I think the first two thirds of it I'm, I'm kind of weird and kind of interesting and it's kind of weird enough I think it lost me in the last third I actually Charlie Kaufman I've, I get a bit irritated with I have this thing where I don't think he made that film I think he, in making that film, I think he forgot that humans watch films. I think that he right. forgets that there is an audience that's meant to watch this film at the end of it, and it's not supposed to be I this see. completely expression, uh, expression of his own mind and his own uh, ideas and everything. Like I, I don't doubt that there's ideas and themes and stuff full in there. Like I get it, but Charlie, this thing is meant to be watched by humans. You gotta let, you gotta, you gotta give us something to to follow through here. I see, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, there might be people out there who got much more out of it and and were able to follow follow it through all the way to the end but i was just like oh, come on charlie please you're making a film here it's a, it's a it's a medium for people to watch mm. don't anyway so uh and then enemy uh, we've had other correspondents ask us about this one as well yeah. i don't think it ever got a uk release date um because I, it was the film denis villeneuve made between prisoners and sicario and i haven't seen it but more people people keep telling us to watch it so I think I want to bump that up the watch list to really give it a go um, Daniel writes in says hi loving the podcast stumbled across it on TikTok and have since gone back and listened to all your episodes thank you common theme welcome from all the TikTok people uh, before I ask my question I just want to throw out an underappreciated movie out there Logan it has two amazing Oscar worthy performances by Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart I have a daughter so the storyline with Logan and Laura really hits me and the ending makes me cry every time and then he also says question do you two have any guilty pleasures mine is as a 35 year old man is Greece and greatest showman thanks Daniel Uh, first of all Logan um that's from Daniel. This is Daniel, yeah. Thank you, Daniel. I think Logan is is rated. I don't think it's underrated. I think that film actually got its fair dues. I yeah, think, it was, I think it's, it's a good very film. Appreciated, yeah. I think maybe people could claim it's underrated because people 
look at it still as a superhero film and actually there's so much more going on there but i think it is rated and i think it's you know like solidly championed yeah I remember leaving Logan and just the screening of Logan and just being like, oh gosh, shit, wow. What a what yeah, a yeah. different, refreshing piece yeah. that felt like. And I was always really appreciative, not that it made sense plot-wise, but it was just, that's Logan and it's done yeah. and we, we made a film and it had an ending yeah. and we didn't have to do Logan's 2, 3 and Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, Guilty Pleasures. We, I mean, it's kind of thing we could do a segment on of films that maybe we acknowledge are bad, but we like them anyway. But mm. why, why would you think about guilty pleasures uh i think yeah maybe something in another segment i think the whole notion of guilty pleasures is kind of flawed because if you get something out of a film what why 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 do we have to be snobs about it you know yeah. or why are we are we somehow upholding the snobbery hierarchy by saying it's a guilty pleasure i guess there could be a film which is definitely flawed but there are like distinct elements in it that That's do really it, yeah. well and flawed it- but uh you defend it. i mean last week when we talked about ben mendelson we talked about place beyond the pines right yes good example of a film that we both recognize as flawed yes but it's also but we actually really the, beautiful film yeah, that still go through hits. with it yeah so yeah kind of hey chaps love the chaps. poddy keep up the, the good work yeah <laughs> another great film at 92 minutes long this is because we did a thing about yes. ni- uh, 90, 90 minute, minute films movies, yeah. uh, another great film that's 92 minutes long is Robert Eggers's The Witch you have to say Eggers's because he's Eggers oh yeah Eggers's, Eggers's. Robert, Robert Eggers's no, The no, Witch no no can't you say Robert Eggers The Witch no James Robert. is the yeah of course I've, sorry, yeah because yeah, yeah. he's it's not Egger that's Rob, yeah, yeah 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 gotcha yeah, yeah Robert Eggers is the witch all the best Robert maybe it's Robert Eggers himself um, <laughs> yeah we talked about that when we recently reviewed the Northman we yes. were sort of talking about Robert Eggers's films in you know yeah, chatting about his last two films mm. but yeah um, great film I didn't know it was ninety two minutes long but no uh, I remember I mean I like the the the, the witch very much I remember it being incredibly steadily paced and there's a lot of farming in it. There's yeah. a lot of goats, goats and farming. Long shots of a goat, goat's eye. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, is the goat about to like go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like the jump scare. <laughs> um, there, are, there is the like the opening like 10 minutes and the thing with the peekaboo with the kids yeah. is it's in the trailer really... as well. But the way that leads to. And when, when you it, just when see the shot of like the woman running yeah. into the woods. Oh, so but then when you, like the camera then tracks and goes, cuts to nighttime and like there's something really chilling. Yeah. You know, with the, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Witch. Good, good really, stuff. Really good yeah. shout. Uh, I don't know if you want to do that like on a weeknight alone. It'll probably leave you pretty... Pretty... Any Robert Eggers uh, My flatmate watches The Witch like all the time throughout the winter. That his, oh, his, like, really? Because it's such a wintry... Yes. That's his like January, December, November. Hunker down. Yeah, that The Revenant. Uh, I hope he's okay. Hi, guys. Really enjoyed that 90 Minutes podcast. There you go. Yeah. And I started... Uh, noticing how Wes Anderson is great for under 100 minute runtimes. Six of his 10 movies are all under 100 minutes with the other four not even hitting two hours. My two standouts that benefit from their runtimes are Darjeeling Limited, one of my favorites, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think he might be the perfect go-to director for a Friday night anyone can enjoy movie. Uh, any others that come to mind from Joe? Thanks, Joe. Um, well, we any others that come to mind, I guess, would just be the ones we mentioned in the episode. Um, great to know that about Wes Anderson. I didn't, I wouldn't have put that together. Um, I... I'm not sure Wes Anderson is like for everyone like on a Friday night. I think there would still be some scream sure. if you were like, we've got some pizza and I'm going to put on the, you know, bottle rocket. And then I'd be right, like, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I mentioned, mentioned this to you before, but like when I saw Wes Anderson films when I was like 16, there were loads of people who were really getting into them. They were really cool and stuff. And I watched it and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. The style mm. is so distinctive. I was like, when is this? 
where is this? What period of time Wes is Anderson it? What man. country am I in? Yeah. And, and it really threw me. And I was just sat there like with my arms folded, but like, I don't understand why, why it's shot in this sort of amber twinkly Kodak stock. Oh. I think that's fair. I remember seeing Isle of Dogs and I really liked it, but I think I remember that feeling a bit long, but there's a plot point. I went to a press screening of, it, a screening of that film and there's a plot point in that film where there's this wasabi that's so spicy. It, it's like it can kill people. And this is before the film. There's people holding sushi, like with tables. And I remember like taking a piece of sushi and the wasabi was so spicy i was like oh my god what my mouth is on fire and it was only when i watched the film <laughs> and i realized i was like oh bum, like bum, that's thanks. fun somebody serving sushi with really spicy wasabi in it and i enjoyed that immersive 4d experience <laughs> do you remember that you watched clarkson's farm last year? yes do you remember that bit brilliant. when when he had like the raw wasabi that he'd grown in yes. his garden yeah and it's just so funny watching him just be like <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that show was brilliant yeah, I, fun, I, they're yeah. doing another series yeah. as well um, this one me again just oh, watched this week's episode again. and thank you for asking, answering my questions loving the conversations and recommendations oh, on film uh, some more questions for you Thoughts on people who overanalyze movies. I recently watched this video with Jordan Peele reading fan theories that go really deep. I've seen this video. Uh, and Jordan's response is something to the effect of, quote, no, that's just crazy. How did you come up with that? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we say um, this from our <laughs> film podcast where we overanalyze films. But, I mean, I think I know what he, what, what, what he means. This is from Alex. Look, I, uh, I agree that, uh, well, we are speaking very close to home because we are doing a film podcast. Yeah. But, in terms of overanalyzing films, um, I agree that sometimes it can get a bit ludicrous. Reading too much into it. Uh, reading something. too much into it. A lot of post-rationalization as well about being like, oh, that's there because of this and they did that because of that. And, you know, the filmmaker might come out like Jordan Peele saying, I had no intention of doing that. It's ridiculous. However, like Birth of the Reader is Death of the Author, I think that if you enjoy putting those details out there and if there is something there that you find, just because it wasn't the filmmaker's intention, I, I think that's absolutely great that... People do that. A lot, the, a lot of the joy of watching films is pulling out stuff that you can, you can see there. Um, where I think it should, is, gets unhealthy is when it's either incredibly negative or it's to push a like p political ideological point being like, oh, I've analyzed this. And actually, like, oh, this film is actually a rallying cry for these people. It's like, um, no, it's not, is it? Because sometimes... It becomes misunderstood I, in a way. Yeah, and I also think that films... I fundamentally believe that films can and should just can and should function as just films as well like if you yeah. want to overanalyze them that's fine but it also just needs to run as a vehicle it needs to operate as from a to b it needs to be a substantial thing and i think there is actually a, 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 a unfortunate trend within film criticism at the moment and audience criticism in that films are um succeed or die on their politics and their themes regardless of how well executed the filmmaking is yeah and I think that's problematic because it's like you, it's great that a film can carry interesting themes, interesting politics, but if it does, if it's in a vehicle that doesn't function, that doesn't work, then it's redundant then it's, then it's dead. Yeah. You know, there are films like, you know, if you take a film like Green Book, actually, like yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people like that film, but a lot of people really hate that film because they think it's problematic. I totally understand the white savior. I totally yeah. get it. I, I see the problematicness in there, but also I've seen Green Book and I will, I, I will, I recognize that that does it does function, however problematically, it does actually function as a film. Yeah. It has verisimilitude from A to B. Nice one. Uh, uh, yeah, and, 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 and it works. 
it's being able to, to recognize both to say okay i actually recognize that, that that functions as a complete story however the politics might be very problematic i would say to jordan peele that if people are over analyzing your film it's probably because you made a good film that people really like and they yeah. want to like read into it quite a lot because yeah. when i finished us my favorite part about watching it was like going over every single detail in my new show and like going oh i wonder if what about that yeah. although i didn't write him in like an email yeah that to me was like the fun of that genre of filmmaking the same yeah. way as like you want to dissect every frame of the prestige when you're done yeah, you're like yeah. desperate to go back in and you want to you're then going to read into like that thing that was said mm. what if that meant that that's just i think a sign of an interesting film i think we're successful what i would say film. to filmmakers as well as what's the opposite then yeah what the opposite is complete inertia care. and uncaringness and boredom so pick your battles 100 um Hi guys, I recently discovered your podcast and I have to say it's a lot of fun. Yay! I find myself engaged and interested with the topics you come up with. I have a suggestion for something you guys might want to talk about. Go on then. Best courtroom movies, brackets topical. Um, oh, right, my favorite yes. person, my personal favorite is A Few Good Men. I 100% agree. I wonder if you guys have any favorites in that genre to recommend. Um, yeah, and he's got a second half, but go for it. Well, immediately... Uh, I take your few good men and I raise you 12 angry men. Yes. In the courthouse, not quite just in the courtroom. Not but, so good, but a bit more angry. Um, fantastic. You absolutely watch 12 angry men, like bottled into one room, basically, yeah. the entire runtime. That Almost is courtroom, but I, get, I give it to you. Such, yeah, a legal yeah. drama that starts in the courtroom that moves elsewhere. Yeah. But um, fantastic, classic film. Just essential viewing, actually, in I'd a way. I'd say recent one, Trial of the Chicago 7. Yes. Another Aaron Sorkin yeah. screenplay. Yeah, really solid. Really good. He loves all the wordy, uh, debatey. That's yeah. also another film that... Uh, that people were critical of for its politics and the way and it's like over liberalism yeah I like, I, right. like the grandstanding of the ending which i totally get but i was like on the whole that still kind of functioned for me to be as I its own it. story so uh, yeah, yeah I, I had a good time and then uh not a courtroom but the the social network like right, depositions with the depositions yeah. with the lawyers like you have part of my attention you have the minimum amount the um, rest of my attention etc oh that. yeah that's so good to kill a mockingbird to kill a, yeah, a really great scene. Yeah. and uh you know what legally blonde yes yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, another topic I had is some sort of debate. Do you think that the streaming services taking over rom-com movie has led to its decline? Or is it a good thing because more filmmakers are able to make their movies because they're relatively cheap and that way more hidden gems can be found? Anyways, I just mainly wanted to say hi and wish you guys all the best. Keep up the good work. Thank you. We kind of, didn't we have a question like yeah, that last we, week? We about We've had a similar question about the, 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 the 2000s era of comedies yeah. and the, the rom-coms. And I think I think there is this like recurring argument that the streaming services have something to do with it, and that the fact that it's obviously it's no one's fault. But like, do, do, have we resigned the rom com chick flick era film to not be worthy of a cinematic release, and therefore it doesn't get the kind of love and attention it deserves? Well, because there's definitely there's definitely a big gaping void for it. Can't you can't deny that. First of all, chick flick problematic term, outdated as well. True. Who says Ben can't enjoy rom coms as I have and I have said on this podcast, yes. right? Secondly, maybe it's been overtaken by the streaming services because it's the kind of thing couples cuddle up to and watch at home instead yeah. of going to the cinema to see on a date or something. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, I said this last week, I don't know why, uh, what's happened with the rom-com. Every so often you get like an interesting one that's like a meta take on it or like a... Do you think they have to be too subversive and I know, different I think, I think to, make it, make, to make them justify their existence? Basically, how many different ways can you tell a love story without yeah. it being tragic? You either have like, yeah, subversive takes that are, that are, that are tragic or they're very artistically done but i don't know maybe it's just missing good writing good story like, yeah i don't like have an answer i think i think they also the era you're referring to maybe i'm kind of getting like the nancy myers kind of like i think that's what women want and yeah. um so yeah that's what we have to say I, I do think there is a factor that is missing somewhere and so i think i think there's 
I, th- I definitely feel like there will be a resurgence. I just think it needs to find its format. Um, by that, I mean like where it's best suited. And hopefully you get some great filmmakers to find a way to tell these stories. Uh, and just the last one from Nikki Bennett. Uh, I found your podcast recently and I was so shocked that you guys have a smaller following because huh. I love this podcast Thanks, and Nikki. I've been binging it for a few days. Yay. But also feel like I found a hidden gem. Oh. Uh, I've already sent your channel to a few friends. Absolutely loving the episodes where you do best and worst iconic films you've not seen. Keep on going. Nikki, thank you very much. If uh, you are listening, there's, there's, there's no question. Oh, you just, just wanted to read just out a bit to of love. in the back. Okay, uh, great. Go give our YouTube some love. I bet you're not yes. subscribed. Uh, like our video, rate us, and if you want to email us, yeah. you can do so. Hello, we will at try. Yeah. Hello, and sorry, like we will try and get all you through your correspondence. We do get yes. a lot now, which is great. We are we have a bit of a time constraint here, so if we miss out your correspondence, it's not because we don't love you; it's because we're just a little bit pressed for time. And sometimes, by the nature we record this, you've sent it to us by the time we've recorded the next episode. So wait, sometimes for the next week's episode to get your thing read out. But yes, it will come. Thank you. So James, there's a new Top Gun film coming out, yes, Top Gun Maverick, right? Is. But you and I both did an episode uh, early on in our podcast where we did film blind spots, right? And we yes. talked about the, the most famous films we haven't seen. I hadn't seen Top Gun, you hadn't. Neither nope. of us had seen Top Gun. So in light of the sequel coming out, we've both gone away and we've both watched it. And this episode is going to be a deep dive on Top Gun, on this film that is now getting a sequel 36 36 years later um very iconic and famous film so we're going to do top gun today but i'm going to bring you guys into it because obviously some of you may have seen it some of you may have seen it years ago some of you may have never seen it i bet a load of people saw it weirdly on vhs as a kid and they've just not really thought about it yeah Yeah. um and they've seen obviously the iconic pictures tom cruise like that you know in the yeah anyway Top Gun was And I was sorry, before you go into it, like I, I remember messaging you earlier this week when we were both rewatching it, and I was like, I obviously have no, I know of Top Gun yeah. and I know of the iconic poster yeah. and, and like that it's about fighter jets, but I actually surprisingly know pretty much nothing about yes. the plot or what happens. Mm. I hadn't had it spoiled, which yeah. we'll get on to. Well, I think there's a reason for that. There's a yeah. reason for that. And I just realized that I sat down to watch it. I was like, I don't know what's, what's going to happen yeah, in this I, film. Yeah, me neither. I am genuinely going in pretty blind considering how big it is, but I'll okay. let you go in. So Top Gun is a 1986 film directed by Tony Scott, starring Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Val Kilmer, and also uh, um, Tim Robbins, really, really quickly. Oh, I don't even pre, know. Pre, very pre-career, early career Tim Robbins, and Meg Ryan in like two scenes. Meg right? Ryan, yeah. Um, it's based on a 1983 article called Top Guns, in, which was written in California Magazine, and the film follows the U.S. Navy's Fighter Weapons School, which was dedicated is dedicated to mastering the art of aerial combat. And that school is referred to as Top Gun. Tom Cruise in Top, Top Gun. Gun. <laughs> um, okay, some information about the film. So the film was a huge commercial hit. Um, actually, I should probably tell you about the story first. Yes. Tom Cruise and his partner, Tom Cruise plays Maverick and his partner Goose, uh, played by Anthony Edwards. They like their call signs. That's their call signs. Yeah, I, I know. His, his name's not actually Maverick, but guess yeah. what? He's a Maverick in both name and in nature. Um, they, uh, get act, they get promoted to go on to the Top Gun program and they're at this flight school. It's very competitive, very male, full of testosterone. And it's in this sort of sun-drenched part of, I think, California. Yeah. And they are, you know... In the words of um, Point Break, they are young, dumb, and full of cum, right? Yeah. So uh, there's a civil um, aviation expert who works there, played by Kelly McGillis. Tom Cruise is desperate to get a relationship with her. Meanwhile, he's trying to uh, 
become the best pilot against Val Kilmer's Iceman, uh, who won't just let him catch a break. And everyone says, you, you fly very well, Maverick. You're, you're a great flyer, but you, you're dangerous. Because you're, you're reckless. You're yeah, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're way out of line. I don't know line. what you're going to do. Your body's writing checks. Was it your, your body's writing checks? Your ego can't cash? Or something, like, something, something like that. Something ridiculous like that. Okay. So that's the basic nuts and bolts of the film. Um, also, the threat in this film is... <laughs> I don't know who the threat is. <laughs> there, there is an enemy, but we don't know if they're Russian or Chinese. They're just a couple of bogeys in the air. Foreign aviators. With a star. With a star. star somewhat symbol. communist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't ever hear them talking. So some sort of vague communist threat set in the present day. Okay. The film was a huge commercial hit, grossing $356 million at the time against a production... That's a lot. Yeah. Against a production budget of only $15 million. Whoa. They made that film for $15 million. Yeah. Uh, Again, got, adjusted for inflation, but still. I think it got re-released in IMAX in 2013. So it was directed wow. by Tony Scott, of course, younger brother of Ridley, who went on to have an illustrious career. Yeah. Um, but it, it was not his film debut. He made a film before that called The Hunger with um, David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve, which is like a vampire thing. But this is the one that would like launch and probably define his career because yeah. Tony Scott was drawing on like 10 years' experience in advertising and commercials. And you can definitely see that in this and film. Sorry, you'll know. What would what were the other Tom Cruise films that would have come out around this in 86? Um, if you know so, oh, yeah. So Tom head. Cruise in this era was like... Just to context, the young Cruise in it. So this is... Yeah, the Cruise we have now is very different to the Cruise we get in the 90s. Yes. So he's pre-dental work. He's pre-nose job, by the yeah. looks of it. Um, we, he'd been in things like The Outsiders. Um, I don't... Th- had he been in... I don't think he'd even been in Born on the Fourth of July yet. No, that was later. So fairly early. This is early Tom Cruise. This is really like probably one of the first big big hits for Tom yeah. Cruise as a, as a vehicle. Okay. Fair. Okay. Um, so Tony Scott was hired to direct the film on the strength of a commercial he had done for Swedish automaker Saab in the early 80s, where a Saab 900 it raced a Saab 37 Viggen fighter jet, right? Yeah. Um, Makes so much sense. Uh, there's an article in The Guardian by Sam Delaney from 2007 where it says Tony Scott had been developing his own distinctive visual style. He said, Tony Scott says, I cornered the market in sexy rock and roll stuff. I had 10 years straight of making commercials during which I was paid to film in exotic locations and meet, meet the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in my life. You couldn't believe it. That kind of uh, idea is definitely in there in, in Top Gun. Um, in this article from The Guardian, uh, Santolini says, Tony Scott's early films exemplified what ad directors initially brought to feature films. Rich with blaring pop rock soundtracks, stunning visuals and fast-paced editing, Scott's style would define the 1980s genre of blockbuster. Jerry Bruckheimer was the first person to see this energy. And he goes on about because Jerry Bruckheimer was you know, the producer behind this. Uh, what else have we got? So the U.S. Navy... Um, <coughs> the, the producers needed assistance from the U.S. Navy to fund it, yeah. right? So the US Navy, U.S. Navy was influential in uh, script approval and made several changes. The opening dogfight was moved to international waters as opposed to being over Cuba. The language was toned down and a scene that involved a crash on the deck of an aircraft carrier was also scrapped. Maverick's love interest was changed from a female enlisted member of the Navy to a civilian contractor due to the military's um, uh, rules against fraternization between um, enlisted personnel. Um, what have we got here? During This is an anecdote, which I checked, but it does seem to be verified. That during filming, Tony Scott wanted to shoot an aircraft landing and taking off, backlit by the sun, because he's got that Classic. very yeah, great you know, uh, commercial well, it's like filmmaking. It's all the visuals, stuff. which I now know are famous from Top Gun, where you shoot military personnel on an aircraft carrier at like 
a long 200 mil lens yeah. at like peak golden hour where essentially the whole thing is just yeah. like aviated orange mm. with all the people in the ship silhouetted like coming into frame. It's yeah. like, I literally won't became it, iconic I mean, we will talk it. about this, this sort of glorification and sort of uh, fetishization of the military and US imperial might yeah. was... It's just, it's definitely there. And it put a lot of people off the project, actually. There was a couple of big names, like Brian Adams, I think, wanted to do a song for it, and he wouldn't do it for that reason. And yeah. Matthew Modine was going to play Maverick, and he didn't want to. Um, anyway, so, so Tony Scott was trying to shoot this scene backlit by the sun, but then the officer changed, uh, the officer of the ship changed the ship's course, which thus changed the light. When Scott asked if they could continue on their previous course and speed, he was informed by the commander that it would cost $25,000, which is equivalent to about you know uh, $65,000 today, to turn the ship and to continue on course. Apparently, I mean, I think, apparently this is true, Scott then wrote the carrier's captain a $25,000 check so that he could, so that the ship could be turned and he continued shooting for another five minutes. It's like the literal expression, like it takes a long time yeah, to yeah, turn, yeah, yeah. not a cruise ship, but like an aircraft yeah. carrier. It's like, well, it's literally, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Um, you know, the, the film is uh, distinguished by these really uh, ex- exciting and electric dogfights. Yes. Yeah. And I was amazed that for a film made 34, you know, 36 years ago, how still energized those fights were. You know, the swooping of the, the jets and the filming and the way they'd captured it. You know, and even cam- though they're clearly cut between different sequences, you, like, you can follow where someone's mm. going and who's getting who. Totally. And, and like cameras attached to the bottom of planes and cameras, yeah, that, amazing, cameras yeah. in the cockpit. Really great tactile filmmaking stuff. Uh, it was shot on 35, Super 35 format. Uh, the anamorphic lenses were too large to fit inside the cockpit of the fighter jets as they would fall off their mounts as they maneuvered around. Oh, wow. uh, uh, there was a stunt uh, stunt artist who was killed in in the making of the film. Oh, Renowned sure. aerobatic pilot Art Scholl was hired to do in-flight camera work, and he was trying to do a spin, but unfortunately couldn't recover from it. Crashed into the wow. Pacific Ocean. Yeah, That's terrible. The film was dedicated in his memory. Um, there are a couple of reshoots done for the film, uh, but uh, McGillis, Kelly McGillis, had already gone into a different project where she had brown hair. So in order to cover up her hair color, that's why in the elevator scene she's wearing a baseball cap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reason. Um, the music, you cannot go oh. through this film without... And I think I think Highway to the Danger Zone oh, yeah. plays ah, three times, I think three or four zone. times in this film. It opens with it. It's like yeah. the first main flight sequence. Yeah. Again, at the end, sometimes it's just they, constant. They had a budget clearly for like five songs. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, what do you put in here? Danger Zone. And then, yeah. It's all like high fives, yeah, yeah. swinging, and then they'll put the um, they'll put the t- and then they'll be like back to take my breath away. Doom, 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 doom. So, um, in terms of critical reaction, so and that's sex scene as well. We'll get into I know, it. I know, I know. So, Adam Smith from Empire Magazine in 2006 said, "Top Gun is not so much a movie in the conventional sense as an escalating series of masterly crafted adverts, motorcycles, <laughs> aircraft carriers, pectorals, Leather and jackets. planes. Yep, <laughs> all look as if they've been shot for a particularly luminous beer campaign. And yeah. while this style looks." tired now it was a revelation at the time i'm sure so when it came out uh, roger ebert said movies like top gun are hard to review because the good parts are so good and the bad parts are so relentless the dog <laughs> fights are absolutely the best but look out for the scenes where people talk to one another yeah uh, pauline pauline kale said when kelly mcgillis is off screen the movie is a shiny homoerotic commercial the pilots it's, it's so homoerotic. So right. um the pilots strut around in the locker room towels hanging precariously from their waist that, it's that volleyball scene that goes on. remember do you remember me telling <laughs> yeah, you about yeah, yeah, it ages yeah. ago it's like three minutes long yeah. again 
golden hour. They definitely oiled so much up. Sweat, There's a yeah. shot where someone just goes like this yeah, in yeah. front of the <sighs> camera. And they're just like the high-fiving yeah. and the jumping and the grabbing each other and their little uh, yeah. military dog tags yeah. hanging down. It's, it's uh, she says, it's as if masculinity has been redefined as how a young man looks with his clothes half off and as if narcissism is what being a warrior is all about. Mm. So with that in mind, yeah. with that concoction, we watched it. James, what did you think? My main takeaway is that I'm clearly watching this so out of era <laughs> yeah. that, my, that my my opinion on it is so it was so very much invalid because it is such a byproduct of its time, and it and so many things and its style and its approach are really aged. Mm. And I don't think it's a bad film. I just don't think it's it's just not anything I would ever see today. Mm. It is a male power fantasy. Yep where there's very little plot that happens. Yes. There's a reason why I don't really know the plot of mm. Top Gun is because there's not really a conflict in this film. There is, I'd say, a big turning point two thirds of the way through where I go, oh, yep. yeah, that's that is happened some, now. Well, we're we going to talk about spoilers, right? Actually, you know, we are going to talk about it's, it's an old film. So it's an old Goose. film. So when Goose dies, that is a moment where like a thing happens for yeah. the first time. No. And it isn't just like, hey man, I'm the biggest thing. I yeah. think I'm too big for you. Yeah. I think you're crazy. And like Goose dies and Tom Cruise is very upset and he realizes he can't be this maverick. He has to be yeah. more disciplined. And the tears spill down mm. off his of aviators. Off yeah. the sweat onto Goose's dog tag. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he realizes he has to stay in there. But yeah, I, I, uh, my main point is I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was incredible. All of that stuff you said about car commercials makes so much sense, yeah. but I am watching it out of time and therefore what value yeah. does my opinion have? I, 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 I see what you mean. Because when I watched it, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And you have a choice to be like, I'm either going to ridicule it for being ridiculous yeah. or try and get some enjoyment out of it. And yeah. I kind of ended up bending towards the latter because, you know, watching that really glossy commercial very 80s approach yeah. that is organic to its time that isn't a pastiche yeah um there is something now now it's so far away from it that is very intoxicating again it's like it's like a curiosity from the era yeah like, wow this is how it was i mean that sex scene between uh, Maverick and... Bum, bum, uh, yeah, bum, bum, is so, like... I was laughing. Because yeah. it was just... It's so ridiculous. Because they're, like, silhouetted against this dark blue mm, moonlight. Bum, bum, and they're, like, lying on top of each other. And you could just see the tongues going oh, between yeah. their mouths. It's almost like they were pretending to act in slow motion. Yes. And, yes. and they're like... Ooh. Well, we can't actually shoot in slow motion, so I'm gonna need you guys <laughs> to be to really slow, slow motion. <laughs> and you just see their tongues. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> silhouettes is backlit by this blue light. Yeah, and it's incredibly soapy, very Mills and Boone, very and, and, and like some of the the ways in which Maverick talks, especially when he's trying to get with. What, what's the face yeah. I'm like he's just behaving like a complete incel oh, like, like, just like singing her a creepy song and then going like, into the ladies going bathroom. into the ladies bathroom and like trying to trying to have sex with her and then when he when it's revealed that she is like the person who's going to be like you know yeah. consulting with them he behaves like 14 year old teenagers do when yeah. like a young female teacher yeah. is teaching a class just undermining everything yeah. she has to say yeah. ridiculing her for having an opinion like not listening and I was like, God, you're, you're, this is like this would be repugnant behavior, yes. and not anything you'd catch from a hero in this in this age. There's a scene where they go to the bar at the beginning, and even it, it's even embedded in the filmmaking, where like it begins the scene in the bar, and the and the, the first shot is of a woman's leg bent up, 
in a in a short dress, and it, yeah. and, it, and it follows her from leg height up to her, and, it, and it's got this kind of like leeriness about it, and, and obviously Goose and Maverick walk in, they're like, "Are you gonna get some tonight, man? Yeah, man, I'm gonna get some." You're just like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Yeah, uh, the, so that cliche of the sailors walk into the bar, I like know, the military oh, man. Yeah, it's just some some like yeah, you say kind of like repugnant, toxic behavior. Yeah. That now is just laughable, really. It's just so. Um, but it's like, it's like again, it's beyond that. It's more just like interesting for us to be like what that what was. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, bit, a moment it, in time. Yeah, it's reductive for us to be like. Oh, that's offensive. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's interesting. It's it's, it's it's fascinating to watch that being played completely straight without any sense of irony. Yes. But the idea of it, um, just no, this is how the film is. But obviously now it's kind of an ironic pleasure we get out of it. Um, I mean. Yeah, there is no... The stuff in the air, that is great. I, I, I Stuff is still really exciting. Like cameras on like the right third of, of the plane. Yep. We've seen... I don't know if that was the first p- first person to do it, but like you've seen Nolan and Dunkirk yep. and Interstellar do that kind of thing. And it, it does it does have this visceral feeling where you've got this shit yep. locked to a camera and it's going at... I don't know how, how fast, but it's incredible. Here's my theory, though, with Top Gun. I think Tony Scott looked at the source material and thought, this is rubbish. And the only way I'm going to make this moder- mildly interesting is to really inject this with desire and not only style in terms of the commercial style, but like I think all that homoeroticism you see in there is definitely there. Yeah. I think Tony Scott knows it's there. And I think he's playing that up there just to make it more interesting. Yeah. I, I really think he's like, oh, I can have fun with this. You know, why shoot a locker room scene when you can shoot it like a softcore porn advert? Yeah. You know, it's just... More oil, please. Yeah, more oil. Let's 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 turn it up. Instead of being like sad, let's everyone in dramatic poses. So, like, hey guys, today we're just going to shoot the guys playing volleyball. Yeah, yeah we want to capture, you know, the team just bonding, yeah. how important it is, the brotherhood, we share between it's like tony scott said the script isn't gonna engage people no what's gonna engage people the fight scenes okay what are we gonna do when we're down on on the ground bodies sex desire let's get people with their shirts off let's get it hot let's get it sweaty let's get it steamy it's it's almost like we didn't need to like in the way in which maverick starts and ends in this in this film like yes he deals with goose dying and that's played a lot when it happens but that's the only thing that happens to him yeah. and he just starts off being like really cocky and sure of himself and it ends with this ultimate male fantasy he gets the girl in the end yes. he completes the task mission successfully yeah. he gets the approval of and validation of all his male yeah. friends and the high-fiving and the hugs goes on for so yeah. long and then Iceman is like hey you Maverick yeah you could be my wingman yeah. anytime yeah. have you seen Quentin Tarantino do a bit about how he thinks Top yeah Gun is, I, like, that's very famous really he in this film yeah it's like a, how they're actually like secretly in love, secretly with, each in love other. with each other and there's that whole idea doesn't he say about Kelly McGillis that's why she's wearing the hat in the elevator because she's trying to sort of like mask up and be more like it's a good know. theory but yeah, yeah it's an interesting theory we were talking about earlier about was it like uh, it, it's uh, it, it's it, I think it's not something if someone said this, this happened to me yesterday I said I was re-watching this before Maverick and I'd, I'd already watched it by this point and he said is it very good and I said I don't have an answer, but I, I can't really recommend you go and watch it unless you're really curious about yeah. it. It's not a film you can take seriously. No. Anymore. That's the thing. If you, 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 you when I said earlier, you have a choice to make about going, oh, I'm either going to ridicule this or kind of just enjoy the kind of weird out of, t- out of dateness, like you said. Yeah. It's not a film you can take seriously. It's, it's almost like not worth like getting upset about. No. Or no, at our no. stage, be like, well, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. what it was. And yeah. with, with all of those people involved and at the time with the budget and, and the way which it was shot that is likely to have manifested and it did and they talked about uh, when I did some research they said that like sales of bomber jackets and aviators oh, went up and apparently this might be apocryphal but apparently like um, 
subscriptions to the navy went up like yes. loads after you know this film was made and people went and saw it so i mean it, and it, it just was a running hit the idea of doing a sequel though because when i watched this i was like this is kind of this is so thinly drawn this is almost like the first episode of a se- se- series of a pilot you could put yeah. all the drama in that in one episode of a series but I don't think it's like it, that's a really thin base to like jump. It's a bit, they're basically doing a reboot with this sequel. It's almost easier for them to go. We're going to make a sequel to Top Gun. Thirty-five years later, thirty-six years later, we could basically start from a very yeah, neutral canvas, and we can apply a lot that's happened in those yeah. in those thirty years. When I see Top Gun Maverick, everything about that is big. It's a big movie. Yeah. You've got a big actor. You've got a big budget. Yeah. You've got big cameras. It's all going to be shot on IMAX. Yeah. You've got big subject matter: planes, sky, everything. Yeah. Everything is going like big. So what I need to know now, like. What is the is? Are we going big with emotion? Are we going big with plot? I'd like to see in 2022 a conflict. I yes. want to see like what it, what are we fighting for? I love the fact that you're dragging Tom Cruise back to mm. go teach because I, I like that at the end of Top Gun 86 he says, "What do you think you're going to do, Maverick?" He says, "I think I'm going to I think I'm going to teach in the flight school," which yeah. makes sense for this. I'm like, okay, great. But yeah, I want to see what what justify the reason for Maverick, just Top Gun Maverick existing. Yeah, I I think you could go, do. Is that going for it? Yeah, I think I think they could do. I mean. The thing is now, if you make a film about the military and the navy and the role of warfare, it's, it's going different. to be done in a much more, almost a complete one eighty to how the the original film is. It's much more critical, a much more um, uh, humanitarian kind of skew on like, okay, what is the place of warfare now? Especially since warfare has We're changed receiving now, it very differently as an audience. Totally, and I think that um, you know we mentioned before. Like Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I've not seen. Yes. And did you no, see? I never. And I remember it. saying to you, like, who is this for anymore? Yeah. Like, who cares? And you know, that's actually the, the that's the same time difference is between the first Ghostbusters and now as as it is from Top Gun. But I was like, it's it's unique because Tom Cruise has stayed a star that time, isn't yeah. it? So whereas Ghostbusters seems like a long time ago to be dragging out a new film of it, but Top Gun because Tom Cruise is still present it actually doesn't seem that much of a reach to call it back, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and Tom Cruise, like we all know, is like the last standing like main movie star of the industry, except for like maybe Leo as well. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, he has been for the time. He's like, Tom Cruise is the is the actor who can launch a movie, right? Yes, he can. Really. Um, it's not Will Smith anymore. No. And um, and I see the trailers for Maverick and I think that's really going after the, the Mission Impossible kind of crowd, that kind of like very... And this is a, this is a, a Tom Cruise film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Tom Cruise knows how to fly. Yep. Uh, do you hear the stories about how they've been teaching everyone to not only fly jets, but like they've been teaching them how to man the cameras in the jets? Wow. Have you heard about this? No, no. So they've been teaching them like lighting and cinematography, like positioning stuff in the right way. All of them have done like classic Navy training underwater. Like, it's all been very intensive. Um, well, I hope that comes through. And I can imagine Tom Cruise like really jumping into it and being yeah. like, because he's got like a million lights that he can drive a bike. And he can fly thing. the. Like, oh, yeah, he can, you can fly an F-18, which is Man. just so overkill for an yeah. actor to know how to do. <laughs> like, I understand like skydiving, scuba diving, like for your Tom Cruise, but yeah. an F-18 fighter yeah. jet, like the cost just to get that in the air I know. is insane. It's, this film looks, it's got an interesting cast, the new one. It's got, got Miles, Teller, Miles Teller. Thank you, son. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, am I meant to know that? Or is that spoiler? That, that's in the that's in the trailer. Okay, well, I haven't seen the film because he's got so. the moustache. Okay, fair enough. Okay, yeah. son. Okay, and you've got Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm. Uh, the, apparently, Val Kilmer is in it. Uh, do you know? I have a theory. Isn't he, isn't he dead? Val Kilmer. 
No, the no, actor. But the the, the, the actor looks dead because there's just a paint. Not Val Kilmer. There's a the painting. Character. They've referred in the trailer to just a painting of Val Kilmer ah. as Iceman. And I know Val Kilmer's not in the most amazing. He had some health issues. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, I always thought it would be that he'd have one scene where he's very ill. Oh, maybe. And maybe Maverick would see him, and then because there's a shot in the in the in the trailer of the of a funeral, and I was like, I assume that might be ice. That's uh, gonna be his goose see. moment where he has his prick of conscience. Could be goes, the opening scene. Maybe. And then he he goes into which the will be James. He'll be there saluting. Boom 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 Because why not? Because the first film did that. Um, yeah. We'll have to see how but, they like. It, as much as we say, uh, what they're going to do this time? There's very little skin in the game for me to be like. I can't believe they changed this. Oh yes, it's, they have a license to do anything. Yeah, they. It's basically saying you've got you've done like the. The extended reading. You've done the background reading. Yeah. Now, and now for the main film. Do you think there'd be a point in the future people go, I love Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, you should see. There's another, you know, the, the other film they did yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's from the, it's from the year 1986. Oh, I might have to check that out, actually. I'm sure it will refer to Top Gun a, a lot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I wonder how much, is he going to have the picture of him in Goose? Is he, how I'm many sure. callbacks are they going to do? Because maybe love is, is uh, I know because he throws the dog tags into the oh, sea. I thought end. was really mean. I would have kept hold of them and <laughs> yeah. given them to his son. At the end, it's like, it was yeah, a Titanic moment yeah. like just, oh, you back to the ocean um i think well, that to his family or something give it to his son i know that's yeah. that's why miles taylor's probably <laughs> yeah. so pissed yeah. uh i think that yeah um it's uh it's an interesting one i feel like if you've listened to this podcast and you haven't seen top gun you're probably good yeah, you're I feel right. like I feel like not to blow our smoke up our own hole. I feel like you and I have just given you enough about what that film is yeah. and, and it's how thin. it presented itself. It's a very thin, thin film. It, re, it should be ninety minutes, and it pushes two hours. You, you, you're not if you never saw it, you'd be all right. You could write the whole plot in three sentences, three or four sentences, yeah. and be like, "That's probably th- yeah. yeah on the back of a napkin." But yeah, I I am looking forward to Top Gun Maverick. Early reports say it's very good. And the cinematography looks very impressive. But I, like we said, I hope it's got something a bit more to show me. We'll see. We'll see. So there you go. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post a new episode of this show every single Wednesday. And then throughout the week, we still have lots of other news and reviews and extra clips and extra content going out across our channels, across YouTube, Spotify, as well as TikTok and Instagram. Do follow us, like us, like, subscribe. subscribe us. Give us a rating on Spotify. Yes. Um, go check out the YouTube if you're just listening. That would be great. Subscribe to us on that. Tell your friends. TikTok, Instagram. We post all the stuff. But yeah, new episodes every Wednesday. (laughs) See you next week. Thank you.